What is up for realers? Woo! Coming at you from Los Angeles, still in quarantine. I am Tyler. And I am Greg. And this is For Real. For Real. Greg, after a week off, how are you feeling? Still quarantined, still quarantined, but I feel energized. I've been reading a lot. I know that last week, you know, we apologize for that. I, I'm, I'm basically in charge of social media, and I should have put something out saying that, you know, we weren't putting out an episode, but it feels good to be back. It feels good to be alive. And I've been doing a lot of soul searching, honestly. I've been trying to work on myself a little bit more, try to get a little bit better at what I do and who I be. Tyler, how you been? I've been good. Uh, just working on the, the website. Uh, still seeing a lot of movies just, just because of uh, something that we're going to do a bit, little bit later. I did count the number of movies that I have seen up until this point right now. At? Ninety-three. At? How many days have gone in the year so far? Like halfway well, through the year. Six months, thirty days, hundred eighty days. One hundred and eighty days. So ninety, ninety movies. Ninety-three. You said. Yeah, ninety-three. Ninety-three movies in one hundred and eighty days, give or take, on the days. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm still at twenty-five. No, twenty-nine. 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 Wasn't expecting you to keep up with me. You're going to get on that level soon. I could not. I could not. I could not keep up with you, Tyler. I could not keep <laughs> up. That's, that's, a, that's a whole nother level of movie watching. That, that's endurance right there. Guys, if you, if you could watch more movies than Tyler, we need to have some sort of competition to see who watches more movies. This Tyler's ridiculous. Not with me. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't want, you don't want competition with this. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> you'll outright win. Unless you're one of those guys that watches nine movies a year. You're very selective. I thought I was selective, but I'm not, I'm not that selective. Tyler, we are back again. This is episode number 37. I know I don't do that intro at, at the beginning, unfortunately. But it's episode 37. We're here. And we got an action-packed show for you guys as per usual. I know that you guys are going to enjoy this as I do and Tyler does. Tyler, we got some news for the folks. Tyler, if you want to hit us off with our first news topic. The award shows are doing a little bit of shuffling. Uh, the Oscars are no longer in February. That will now be the Golden Globes, at least for this coming year, with the Oscars moving to April, I believe, right. is when it is. Mm-hmm. And any movie that is released up through February of next year will be eligible for the Oscars. What does this mean? What is this? Is this something that's going to hold and take shape down the line for the future? I honestly don't know. I get it. I hope that this is just a this year thing. Uh, The award shows already are kind of drawn out to me. Like, I just want to know who wins. I know you, you question their relevance anyway, Greg, but I do, uh, you know, I know. no, I was going to say, I know that like, you know, with this happening, it's probably going to affect the way in which the award is viewed, at least from the the spectator part of things. And then we'll see how it affects the industry itself in terms of the attendees and the winners and nominees when it comes to that. I know that for them, at least from my understanding, especially through our last Oscar Awards for real special. My understanding of it is that it's, it, is, it has a marketability to it. 
So I don't think that it will go away, but I believe that the structure is going to change. And we do have another story here related to that structural change. If you want to just jump into that real quick. Yeah. So before I do jump into this, I do want to say we also already know that VOD movies are eligible for Oscars if they Mm -hmm. were already planned to have a theatrical release. So that is another change, at least for this upcoming Oscars. But uh, the Academy looks like it is following through on its promise for diversification. Uh, They have invited 819 new members as of uh, yesterday, Tuesday. This is 36% people of color and 45% women. Uh, They invited actors such as Anna de Armas, Brian Tyree Henry, Florence Pugh, Lakeith Stanfield, directors such as Lulu Wong, Ari Aster, Matthew Vaughn really trying to keep the Oscars relevant, essentially. Mm. I mean, it's good that this diversification did need to happen. It was for too long run by old white men who kind of pushed everybody around. It's good to not only see all these people included, but I think it will provide people with a much more interesting Oscar ceremony because these are very talented, very opinionated, very diverse in their ways of thinking people that they have added. And I think it will provide a lot of flair for the Oscars going forward that they honestly need. I think the thing that I see the most is that there's diversity, but there's also a level of youth that's been added to the voters. So that's really good. I think that this is the winds of change coming. I've, I've been having a lot of winds of change thought uh, when it comes to this whole Corona, our new state of being, this new uncharted territory that everyone is trying to navigate. And this is proactive. No, this is reactive by the Academy. Uh, this should have happened years ago. But yeah. things, ha- things happen when they do happen. And they happen for a reason. I think that the Corona situation is allowing a lot of industries and institutions to sit back and listen and not do the majority of the talking. So some level of listening is happening right now. And they've added quite a diverse and prolific and intelligent group of people to their members. I can't wait to see what happens. Yes, it should have happened a long time ago. I wish that it weren't happening in such a weird year. And I know that it will take a few years for the influence to kind of come to the forefront and we'll actually start to see difference. It's not going to, it was never going to happen for this upcoming Oscars anyway. Yeah. Uh, But I, I wish that it, had a better year to start off in rather than this year where everyone's just kind of like, Oh, well, we don't even know what movies are going to be eligible at this point anymore. Like the, the, there's a slate of movies that's been set, but we don't know when they're going to come out. We don't know. We, there's just still a lot of things we don't know. Yeah. Especially seeing that going into our next topic, Hollywood as well, mainly Hollywood, mainly the Los Angeles region is having reopening dilemmas. So Disneyland's reopening was delayed. A statement made by Austin Lynch, director in Orange County for unit here, Local 11, said, we can't afford to get this wrong. Once the theme park opens, we've essentially opened California to the world. So it affects the whole community. What are your thoughts on this, Ty? I think it's smart. I, I know that they wanted to open Disneyland on July 17th for an anniversary. I forget which anniversary it is, but there was something special about the date that they were aiming for. But they have they have wisely moved on and are just waiting to see what happens, much like the the movie industry as well. 
you know, tenant and Mulan just moved to August, tenant mm-hmm. towards the beginning, middle part of August and Mulan at the end of August. Mm-hmm. And, you know, film and TV shoots are starting back up. Kind of like how Film LA President Paul Audley said, you know, day to day, everything can change. Um, they're going to take their guidance directly from the health department. If they think it's time to pull back, they'll let the industry know that. I, I get that they want to get back to work and that, you know, there was a brief window where that seemed like it was going to be possible, but it's it's not. Movies keep moving. The cases keep getting higher. So we want to protect ourselves as best as we can. And it seems like everything is is kind of influencing the next thing. So even though I think that the reopening of the opening up of Los Angeles in general or California kind of gave those in authority some sort of foresight or a little bit of, of information as to how the customers will react to it reopening especially somewhere like as renowned as Disneyland or as loved as Disneyland from our, from the customers that they're going to start rushing back and it's going to be almost impossible to hold to a certain guest limit once they get there. Could you imagine that you have one of your year passes and they decline you because they've reached their absolute limit, which is should, which they were announcing would be 25% of the you know the theme parks capacity yeah what are you going to do for for your employees as well because now as disneyland business sense states that if you're going to have 25 percent less guests and you should have 25 percent less employees working in that situation however it's going to take probably the full staff of doing you know high surface touch areas to be cleaned you're going to have to have uh, guest services. You're gonna have to have ushers. You're gonna you're gonna have to pour in more money into that business to have it operate the same way that you would have if you were at capacity. I I know myself as a as a season pass holder, uh, reading the rules of what they were gonna do once they reopened. You know, as you said, they were only gonna do a capacity limit. You had to sign up for what day you wanted to go, and once they were full, you were done. So it's not like, you know, you were necessarily wasting a trip up there only to be turned away. No, you sign up while you're at home and you pick your day to go. So at least they were trying. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Disney is also kind of desperate for money, which is also why they were, uh, which sounds weird to say, at least. It does sound weird to say. <laughs> but, I was like, desperate how? What, they, they missed the, the billion that they would well, get I, for this quarter? I, I kept reading stuff that Disney was hurting for money now that Disneyland was closed and, you know, with the theaters and stuff like that. I was like, don't they have like bolts of money somewhere that they could just like Scrooge McDuck in? I don't know. You know, like that, yeah. that's the thing we, we don't actually know. No. But I just know whenever I'm at Disneyland, there are tons of people there and that is not a cheap place to go if no. you want to spend a day. So no. maybe it really did hurt that much. I, I don't know. But that, that is also a reason why they wanted to rush back outside of the, uh, the anniversary. But they tried. It didn't work. Yeah. At least they didn't open and everybody just get the virus and they can just continue not being open. No harm mm-hmm. done. The main issue that a lot of people are, are seeing or not seeing in this situation is that the virus is an enemy you can't see. It's not something that, that you could open your eyes to and be like, this is real. For some people, it's not. For some people, the the impact hasn't hit yet because you haven't been affected directly. For all the people that have lost a loved one, they understand this more than anything else. And I'm sure that they weren't even going to risk it at that point. 
And for Disney as a business, they have also, as, as well as all the other businesses that have, have been impacted by the virus, know the impact of this as well, at least in the pocket, not emotionally. And we see that follow suit. So Disneyland delays its reopen and delays one of its movies to August. And now we have the theaters who, you know, just a couple of weeks ago announced that they would be opening in mid-July, have now announced that they're going to be opening closer to the end of July, especially here in L.A. And in, the, and in New York, which are the two busiest movie-going markets in the country, if you didn't know. I know that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we've been reading articles that uh, Cinemark was not going to uphold to the the mask wearing policy got slammed for that amc got Saturday slammed for that <laughs> now we're seeing a complete 180 it's it seems like public opinion really has a power here that's helping move this at least in in the most ethical direction and the movie theaters i know that right now at least those top three are thinking about their pockets being impacted but with no movies to play what's the point of opening in mid-july yeah, if if there's nothing there that's going to bring people in, which if you'd asked me a month ago, I didn't think people would show up to movie theaters. And then, you know, I would drive around, at least when restaurants were open here in LA, they've since been closed down. Again, restaurants and bars, you know, I would see them packed with people and thought maybe maybe people will go to the movies. Maybe, you know, they're, they're getting kind of wound tight and want to go out and do something. So maybe that is a a big possibility. So, you know, the theaters definitely want to be able to capture that at a uh, good rate. They, they want to be able to have as many people inside their doors as possible. And uh, yeah, with no movies to show, what's the point? I, I mean, you brought up a good point there. I've been having conversations around with uh, with a couple of business owners and kind of asking them, how was business the first day back? And a lot of them, especially in the entertainment industry, of people who run businesses, I shouldn't say business owners, the runners of these businesses have said that like they have been swamped, like if it was Black Friday sale almost with business. And it is because people are a little stir crazy and want to get out of their houses. So the movie theaters have an opportunity to capitalize on that. An empty store with no product is the same thing that we're deferring to right now. You know, that when, when Tenet was opening up at the end of July, there was an opportunity. Now move back into August. There's, there's not much there. And I don't, like, I've been having conversations around multiple circles when it comes to the virus. And an interesting point came up is that one of my buddies, he said, well, he asked the question, he posed the question, how soon or do you think that a, vi- that a vaccine for the virus will be effective? And most of us were like, yeah, you know, that's, that, sounds, that sounds like about right. But the, the main issue is that viruses mutate constantly. So by the time that they isolate the strain and produce an antivirus for it, would it be effective against whatever strain is available in the next couple months? So it's a race against time, honestly. And I think that once they once they are able to not now I don't want to bring that down as a as a downer. Mm-hmm. I just think that you know because we've had multiple viruses before that have been eliminated due to vaccinations and whatnot, and this should be no different. However, we haven't had a worldwide shutdown like this off of any virus ever. Just some food for thought as we navigate through these uncharted seas 
And speaking of Uncharted, we're going to move into our getting real. And you know how I love these top tens. It's a Tyler top <laughs> ten time. You know, I like to say Tyler top ten time. It's about to go down. However, usually on my little screen right here, I could see what Tyler has for his top ten. Today, Tyler put in our little documents right here. He just put Tyler's mid-year top 10. So Tyler has a top 10 that I know nothing about. We're talking about 10 movies that Tyler has regarded as the top 10 for the mid-year, for the, for the two quarters that just happened, with five honorable mentions at the top of it. Are you kidding me, Tyler? Like, you're not going to tell me anything? Like, nothing? Nope. You're going to leave me in the dark right here? Yep. You're going to find this out the same time that I'm going to find this out, which I, I'm, I'm kind of loving right now. Tyler's got me all excited. <laughs> Before the show, I was a little tired and whatnot. I had to shake myself off. Now I got a whole new mystery to uncover. I'm going to, you, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try, I'm going to try during this whole segment to look at the movies that have been released for this for the first two quarters and i'm gonna try and guess and at the end of the show i'm gonna let you guys know if i guessed even one of the movies in tyler's top 10 i think i got one i think i got one but we'll see we'll see how it goes down tyler are you ready for tyler's top 10 it's born ready Woo! let's get it on with the honorable mentions tyler let's go so first up on my honorable mentions uh, would have to be Vivarium. It has uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots. It's this dark sci-fi kind of Twilight zone thriller. It's very, very good. Uh, very weird. Uh, definitely tickled my fancy. Uh, one that I was kind of surprised about uh, that I liked so much was The Way Back, the Ben Affleck uh, basketball movie where he's a coach searching for redemption. It had a uh, more realistic ending that I was kind of uh, surprised that the movie ultimately went with, and uh, he's fantastic in it. Next up, we have uh, Bad Education. Uh, Hugh Jackman plays a uh, head of a school board who gets involved in a scandal. It's one of his best performances ever. Uh, the movie is on HBO. wish this could have gone to theaters because I think it actually could have gotten a lot of good attention. Uh, next up... The King of Staten Island, the Pete Davidson uh, comedy from Judd Apatow. He's fantastic in it, and the movie has a lot of heart uh, to go along with its humor. It is a little long, but uh, that's par for the course for Apatow movies. And finally, we have Shirley. It's a psychological thriller about uh, author Shirley Jackson looking for inspiration for her next novel and kind of torturing this young couple uh, along with her husband, to, to kind of gain inspiration. It's it's very good. Elizabeth Moss and Michael Slubarg are fantastic in it. Interesting. Uh, it's it's on Hulu. It's very, very good. I haven't opened Hulu in such a long time. I'm a little <laughs> shame right now. But no, I'm not. I like what I like. I watch what I like. But that's cool. I mean, so I got, uh, with the honorable mentions, I'm, I'm surprised. I, I I didn't even think about the King of Staten Island. I should have put that out there. That you know, if I was guessing for the honorable mentions, but I did not. I'm even surprised that that fell so low to the honorable mentions. Um, seeing as the word of mouth for that movie was so great, that would have been that would have been a killer if it came out in theaters. I'm not gonna lie, that would have done work. So Tyler, was that your honorable mentions, sir? 
that was my honorable mentions. Oh, buddy. So you know what time it is. You what know time what time it, it is. What time is it? It is time for Tyler's Top 10. We're number 10. Uh, first off, I just want to say there are lots of great movies out on VOD. Uh, it's kind of thought of as like this afterthought that, that movies that couldn't get theatrical release kind of get kind of dumped into VOD. But there are some very, very good movies that I found on there. Uh, starting with my number 10, it's called Sea Fever. It's a uh, slow burn sci-fi thriller. Uh, the lead actress, uh, her name is Hermione Corfield. Uh, she's fantastic. One of the things that I really liked about it is her character is very smart and capable and very science and fact driven. And unlike a lot of films in this genre, the other characters actually listen to her. Like they, they don't throw her off just because she's an outsider to this group that she joins. They actually respect her opinion and do what she says which uh, allows a lot of them to survive longer than most would in movies like this. You're just along for the ride with all these characters and like also reality, you wouldn't get a lot of uh, concrete answers to what is ultimately going on. And on top of that, the visuals are impressive for the low budget. It's, I was surprised at how much I liked this and it's uh, stuck with me for a while. Where, where could you stream this one, Ty? I found it on Apple, on iTunes. Um, iTunes. So if you go, if you guys are gonna want to go watch our number ten, it's on iTunes. But now it's time for number nine. So number nine is another movie that I wasn't expecting to like. It's a movie called Swallow. So the the title is interesting, and the subject matter might turn some people off. Uh, it's about a woman, a uh, housewife, who finds that she likes swallowing things like marbles. Uh, turns into more dangerous things like tacks and push pins and jacks and stuff like that like it it helps her feel alive and i kind of wasn't expecting to to like this as much as i did but it's honestly tastefully done and not as gross as it could have been and kind of turns into this empowering film about this housewife played by Haley bennett discovering herself and breaking free from her controlling husband i was along for her journey the lead performance is fantastic and uh there's a very emotional finale. Wow. Uh, this, one, this one was one that I was judging by its trailer. And I, I didn't see where this premise could go. But usually when, when it's that vague, it's usually pretty deep and in-depth. Where, where could you view this one, Ty? Uh, this one did make it to theaters, but I think you can also find it on VOD now. So any of the VOD spots, whether it's on uh, Prime, iTunes, wherever you guys want to go watch it, it's there. That's your number nine. I'm surprised that was one that I wanted to guess <laughs> and I couldn't find it. All right. With that being said, we're moving on to number eight. Number eight is 7,500. This was a thriller that was just recently released on Amazon Prime. Uh, it stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, it's about a flight from Berlin to Paris that is taken over by terrorists. And Gordon-Levitt is a co-pilot on this flight. And the movie takes place completely in the cockpit of the plane. So it would have gone well with our list that we did a couple episodes ago about, uh, you know, kind of quarantine thrillers. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a shame that this one didn't actually, I didn't see this till after we had made that list. uh, His pilot is very competent and honestly, he's sympathetic 
uh, as well. There, there's a part later in the movie where he ends up spending a lot of the time with one of the terrorists that we're able to, you know, kind of really get a lot of good characterization from him. Honestly, he makes a lot of smart decisions because there, there's a thing where he can't let he can't let the terrorists into the cockpit. He can't compromise the cockpit, and there's a lot of tension wrung about whether he will or will not open the door to let them in. The, the the movie's only 90 minutes, but I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. That's crazy. I haven't even heard of this movie, as a matter of fact. Where do you find these, Tyler? <laughs> Where do you find these? Oh, my gosh. All I right. I, I, I know this. I realize, and I'm building my own list right now of this top 10, which we're going to number seven. So number seven might be surprising to uh, everybody else, but maybe not to Greg. Uh, number seven is underwater. Woo! Yeah, you you got one. You got one. Yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting to like this movie. I don't like underwater things. I've said <laughs> that before, especially about this movie. Kristen Stewart's great in this movie, and the first hour is very intense before uh, evolving into this kind of Lovecraftian denouement. I don't understand why people hate on Kristen Stewart. I think she's fantastic in the movie. I think there's a lot of suspense just inherent to the situation. And I think the movie uh, capitalizes on that. And it could have honestly been a really bad alien ripoff, but uh, it, it was so much more to me. And I saw this one. I actually, like, I agree with you 100%. I think that there's a lot of depth that she brings to her character. And there's a lot of, a lot of depth to all the characters that are involved. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to sell out too much, but um, I enjoyed this one a lot. I enjoyed this one a lot. This would have been, if I had top 10, I mean, I saw 29 movies for the year. If I had top 10, it was definitely one of those. And Tyler, where could we view this one at? Oh, it's, it's on uh, Blu-ray VOD. Like, yeah, it's, it's out. So it's you should be able to find it everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And to my surprise, well, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's everywhere, but I could tell you that Tyler's watched it. And that is our number six. Number six, it is everywhere. Uh, that would be The Invisible Man. You shocked me. You shocked me. I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> so this is a uh, remake with a modern twist on the classic Universal monster story. Fantastic lead performance by Elizabeth Moss uh, with paranoia and the, the villain kind of gaslighting her at every turn. For a movie that was only made for $5 million, it looks gorgeous. Uh, there are some special effects shots, but really a lot of the tension in the movie is shots of just empty rooms and chairs and just you really don't know where this villain's going to be. It also has one of the most out of nowhere death scenes that I've ever seen. Like it actually made me like gasp out loud. And even knowing that, I don't know that you'll be able to see it coming because it's literally just happens and just it's fantastic, fantastic, fantastic movie. So, guys, for those who are on social media, as you can see, I don't know what's coming next. I don't know what's coming next. But what <laughs> I do know, what I do know is that we're about to hit our number five. Number five is The Assistant. Ooh. So this is a very important movie. It's the first one to come out of the Me Too era. Uh, it's about the day in the life of the assistant to a powerful film producer who may or may not be Harvey Weinstein. He's never given a name, but he has a lot of uh, the characteristics of what made Harvey Weinstein Harvey Weinstein. At times it's very hard to watch, but it just goes into detail. The safeguards that are in place 
that helped people like Weinstein get away with what he did for so long. You're you're on board with this main character, but she's also like subtly complicit in some of the things that happen because she does and doesn't try to stop certain things. And it's it, it's very tense. It's very good. It's very challenging. But I, I think it's one of the more worthwhile movies to come out of this year. I was also thinking that. Um, and I think that was the movie I was thinking about, but I couldn't find. No, Swallow was it. This one, I overlooked it because I, I didn't think that you would have been I didn't think that this would have been on the so high up on the list too. Like, <laughs> you know, like this, this was a, uh, this was one of those that I would have, if it hit the honorable mention, I would have been like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. This was number five guys. This was number five. Guess what? Guess what? I can't wait to see what comes at number four. So number four is a movie called extraordinary. This is one of the movies that I hope everyone goes out and watches because it's probably the one that you haven't heard of and probably is one of the more enjoyable things that I've watched this year. It's a Irish supernatural comedy and the title ro- role is played by a delightful actress named Maeve Higgins. And she's a driving instructor who has supernatural capabilities that are needed to stop this musician played by Will Forte from performing a satanic ritual that will allow him to put out his next hit. And it's, it's so deadpan and it's so funny. I'd seen so many serious things before I watched this, that it was kind of like a breath of fresh air. And I, I haven't laughed that hard. And it kind of reminded me of a lot of Edgar Wright and the way that it's done and the way that I, enjoyed it that like the, this movie's hysterical just it's it's just very deadpan oh where could we find this one because i've never heard about it i've never heard about this title before i i it, a lot of these should be on vod now uh it's oh, where i on VOD. yeah anything on this list should be on vod or available on dvd however you want to or you know exclusively on amazon prime hulu wherever Wherever there's a VOD, or even if it's on YouTube, you guys could go out and find this. We're getting close now. We're getting close now. (laughs) We're down to number three. So number three is Wendy. This is the uh, follow-up for director Ben Zeitlin, who made Beasts of the Southern Wild. Uh, And this movie hit theaters in February and just kind of disappeared. And it's honestly just a shame. It's a... It's a very unique and visually stunning take on the Peter Pan story uh, with some very, very impressive world building. Uh, The lead actress who plays Wendy, her name is Devin France and her and the Lost Boys, their relationship is just the driving force of this movie. And I I know I already said this, so this is a shame this movie didn't get attention because I actually think I liked it more than Beasts of the Southern Wild and that movie was nominated for tons of Oscars. This, this movie is so unique and it's, it just came out at the wrong time. Yeah. I, I do remember when this trailer dropped and, and when it actually hit the theaters and I thought to myself, I was like, I don't think this is going to do, this is, this isn't going to do anything. I think that, you know, uh, well, we haven't had a, a, a Peter Pan movie in quite some time or, you know, at least one of worth. Um, and I think that this kind of fell into the vein. I think that a lot of people would have been exhausted by, again, you know, the, people are trying to franchise, they're trying to 
to push through, even though this is not part of a franchise, it still holds a name that's associated with the franchise. You know, it's really unfortunate. I, I think that I'm going to go watch this movie now. Because um, I, for to be at number three, Tyler, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I'm, I'm really shocked. But that's still not going to shock me, seeing that we're going to number two. So number two is never, rarely, sometimes, always. This raw and honestly beautiful film is about this young girl and her friend. Uh, they're from Pennsylvania and they have to travel to New York. Um, one of them has unexpectedly gotten pregnant and uh, she's looking for options. Uh, the two leads are really no-name act. One of them is definitely a, a no-name actress with no experience before. The other one had kind of been in like one or two s- smaller things, but they're both essentially unknown and they're just so real and heartbreaking. And the, there are parts of this, mo- well, the whole movie honestly should be required viewing for everyone, especially men to kind of see what women go through in times like this. It's, it's, it's a beautiful movie with beautiful performances and it, I definitely shed a tear by the time this was over. Wow. You know, I, I looked over this title a couple of times and I was like, there's no way Tyler was going to put this in the top 10. And you know what? I was wrong. This, this, <laughs> was, this was off of my guess. And coming down to number one. So number one is The Vast of Night. This was a movie that also came out on Amazon Prime. It's a set in the 50s. It's a low-budget Twilight Zone-esque story. It has its own version of that uh, within the movie. It's got an amazing aesthetic stunning cinematography there's so many zoom one take shots as they go through this sleepy town that are just flat out impressive and the leads are just fantastic and it's i was so into this movie there was a eight minute unbroken take of someone flipping through calls on a 50s switchboard and listening to stories and trying to figure out what could possibly be going on that was one of the most riveting things i've ever seen and it's an unbroken take of someone just like listening and asking questions and switching things on a switchboard. It, it's just fantastic. It, with, even with all the movies that I've seen this year, I think I've watched it about four times now. Wow. It's, it's flat out fantastic, not just for sci-fi fans, but I, I think it's honestly inspirational for people who are trying to get their own projects made. It's a, it's a way to, to do it yourself and still make something that's, impressive and should be seen on a big screen jeez well that one i would have never guessed that that title i've heard for the first time right now so there you guys have it tyler's mid-year movie top 10 tyler this this is a this is a impressive lister Uh, thank you sir and i i would admit the a couple of these titles i'm shocked at i'm shocked at I'm shocked that Underwater is so high. Let me just go forward and say that. <laughs> I thought that would have been number 10, at least. I thought that would have been number 10. And then Swallow, I was trying to remember. I couldn't remember that one. Um, I'm shocked at The Assistant and Wendy being so high up, honestly. Um, never heard of, of 7,500. That's the, uh, right? In the number Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie. Mm-hmm. And number one, I've never heard of either. So uh, a lot for me to kind of divulge in 
here. And I'm sure if you guys haven't heard any of these movies, uh, as Tyler said before, they're mostly on VOD. Uh, I'll put a list up for you guys when I post out this video of the Tyler's top 10. You guys know how excited I get at Tyler's top 10. <laughs> and then Tyler comes and throws a monkey wrench at it and doesn't tell me what the top 10 is beforehand. He just drops it and is like, hey, here's the Tyler's top 10 for you. Greg, run it. And I got, I got to be, I, I'm just as surprised and as entertained as you guys are. Today I got to sit down in the spectator seat and see what it looks like from the crowd. That's what it feels like. And now I'm, I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel a certain kind of energy. I hope you guys do too. I did say that I was going to put a list there, but I know an even better place in which you can find Tyler's top 10 and a multitude of other information that pertains to movie as an art. And it's written by a fantastic, handsome young man who's sitting across the screen from me. The place of which you could find that is afterthecreditsblog.com. If you log into your computers right now on your phone, on your tablets, you could go to afterthecreditsblog.com and find all of your critiques, reviews, uh, soon to be interviews. Yeah, I'm, I'm challenging you to tell them. We're going to get some <laughs> interviews on the aftercreditsblog.com. And you guys will find tons of amazing content. Would you trust a guy that has watched 93 films for the year so far? That's insane. I would trust a guy that's, that's seen 93 films for the year and has done so. He, he almost watched 200 films last year. He's watched 93 films this year. The year is halfway through, and he's almost watched as many films for the years as there are days. So head on down to afterthecreditsblog.com and get some of that information into your membrane right now. You guys are going to be so entertained by that website as I hope that you guys are entertained by us and what we come to do on a weekly basis. I know we took a week off last week um, and that's only because we want to bring the best kind of quality content for you. Tyler, thank you so much for shocking me. I took my notes down. I got informed. I got information because I'm still learning. Uh, and Tyler is one of the best out there when it comes to diving into the movie industry as an art form. Tyler, what do you guys say to the people about coming down to For Real and getting all this information and getting into the Tyler's Top 10? First off, Greg, I want to say thank you for the, uh, the glowing review of my website that, uh, that actually made me blush a little bit. So uh, thank you very much. I hope everybody who does check out the website does find something useful and interesting about it. I do post uh, reviews of a lot of the movies that I watch there. And I'm uh, just recently starting a new screenwriter series now that the one on Alex Garland has closed. That will be on screenwriters Karen McCullough and Kirsten Smith. If you don't know who they are, these ladies basically owned the 2000s in terms of uh, writing some of your favorite romantic comedy hits. So definitely check that out. That should be starting at sites yes if you're over 30 like us this is probably the, their movies have probably shaped your life more than any other movies that you've seen back in the early 2000s so tyler it's always fun it's a fantastic pleasure to have you with me again sir always always great to have you guys tuning into the show we love to bring content to you we love to do this for you this isn't for us not for me this is for you tyler <laughs> not for me 
We do this for you guys. We want to bring you value. We want to bring you entertainment. We want to make sure that you guys are entertained while you're in your house, while you're out running, while you're out doing your groceries, whatever you're doing for the day. We want to make sure that you guys are entertained with some movie industry news. There's, there's still some news coming out there. I know that you guys can't go to the movies right now, but if you got a screen, whether it be this small or a 75 or 72 inch screen television you got your own home theaters you guys could tune in and watch these movies please we love to have you guys talk to us let us know what you think let us know what we should be talking about on the show we'll try and bring it to you guys the best way that we know how let's have a dialogue guys let's have a little conversation we'll love to have that guys it's always amazing it's always amazing to have you yeah and uh until next week i'm tyler And I'm Greg. And this has been For Real.